Welcome to On The Way, a podcast to help you make a meaningful connection with Jesus every day in the midst of your day-to-day. On this week's episode, Jaime and Alex share their perspectives on why community is essential in the lives not just of Christians, but of all of humanity. Some tips on how to build healthy community and how to aspire towards the types of communities that remain rooted together in the good times, but also through the bad. Enjoy. Welcome to this edition of the On The Way podcast. Uh, My name is Jaime and I'm here with... Alex Kirk. Yeah, we're glad to have you with us again here on the On The Way podcast. And today we're actually going to be talking about a topic that gets uh, discussed a lot in Christian circles, which is community and relationships. We're in the early stages of a series at Chatham Community Church that we've titled Rooted Together because we believe that just like redwoods survive and stand tall because their roots are intertwined, that followers of Jesus survive and stand tall because we're rooted together. And actually all of humanity was designed to be rooted together. Um, So let's talk a little bit about why we care so much about community and relationships. Yeah, it's a great question. I was thinking about this because we do circle through this topic at least once a year for some period of time. And I would would feel bad about it, uh, except that I have conversations almost every day about relational problems. So, uh, you know, I, I, we'll stop talking about it when we stop having conversations with people <laughs> who are having relational problems, right? So the, the fact is that uh, all of us at different points in our lives, uh, so much of sort of uh, the way that we're wired and just what makes for the everyday stuff of life is uh, relationships. And those things often have challenges. Uh, I talked about the way, the, way, the way that I've been introing or talking about it is that uh, relationships have sort of this uh, unpredictable potential, right? Almost a chaotic potential mm-hmm. that could go either way. It could be, you know, you could be a random stranger today who could be the best thing that ever happened to you in your life, or it could be literally your worst nightmare. Like, it could be, like ruin your life. And, and there's such a wide range of potential relationships and people. And uh, the only way to sort of know what this could, how to mind those is by being vulnerable by entering into relationships, which is always messy and risky. And so um, I think the idea of equipping people to sort of step into relationships and for us to be a church in healthy relationships uh, with each other and outside of, the, outside of uh, the church as well, I think it's a, uh, I think, uh, I think people thrive in those kinds of environments. And so I don't know, I, when, when you think about your own kind of uh, journey in community, Jaime, where do you, how do you feel like sort of um, rooted together that, that image? How's that been helpful for you? Or what, are the, what have been the challenges for you in terms of engaging community yourself or leading other people through the, uh, the challenges of community and relationships? Yeah, I think part of what, uh, what makes community uh, an issue that, that is layered and that, um, that can sometimes be challenging to enter into is that people are challenging. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, not every community, not every relationship that I've been a part of has been a positive experience for me. And some of that has been because of my contribution to it. And some of it has been because of the contributions of others. Uh, and there have been times where I've been tempted to, uh, and even try to uh, operate from uh, from a mindset of, I don't need community or yeah. I don't need to be rooted to others. And uh, it's, it's never lasted very long because it's always been fairly destructive uh, to me. And some of what I've realized uh, throughout the years is that um, I was designed, I was made for community, I was made for relationships. Um, I'm at my best when 
those things are functioning well in my life, not when I've removed myself mm-hmm. from them because they're not functioning well. What I'm doing is I'm I'm not I'm not living into something that I was made for mm-hmm. that is part of my original design. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think one of the things in, in our particular context, and this is true probably in any context, but I think you know Chatham County is sort of a big uh, spread out community, and a lot of folks want to be have you know 20 acres and no neighbors right there's a, there's a strong independent streak in a mm-hmm. lot of Chatham County and, and 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 I think a significant number of people for whom kind of uh, sort of getting off the grid and getting away from it all there is like they, they've been hurt there, there's been damage or it, they, they, they've come face to face with the very real fact that people are sinners messy people right and that relationships are complicated and people are messy and uh, for many of them, that strong pushback against that, right? Some of it's temperamental, but some is also just experiential. Um, it's I think it's I think there's challenges to talk about community in any context. If we were you know if you're in a big urban environment, there's the there's the the issue of isolation in a giant apartment complex, right? You can be surrounded by hundreds of people and not know anyone, right? Still that 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 lonely that disconnect. I think uh, is uh, it's just true for much of kind of modern life. Um, that well, just that there's there's this thing in all of us that pushes against community, but also is made for it, right? And there's that that push pull in all of us for uh, for relationships. So we hit these different seasons where we get tired of dealing with <laughs> how messy people are, um, and so we do want to retreat and withdraw. And I think figuring out how how to help people engage relationships in a healthy way. And you know, you mentioned this earlier that not only are people out there messy, but I'm messy too, right? Mm-hmm. I contribute to the mess of community. I contribute to the mess of relationships and to be willing to acknowledge my own kind of culpability for, you know, for lack of a better word, in uh, and how relationships can go south and have gone south in the past or communities or whatever. I think that takes some I think it takes some courage to sort of to sort of look at that and deal with it and then also and also just help some things happen and, I'll, and at the point I was doing the best I knew how to do right in, in, in the season and I needed some better tools to engage community better or handle conflict or handle disagreement I just you know there's some there are there is equipping that we need to have in order to to deal with those issues as well as just some courage and vision for what it could be so uh, hopefully we'll do that together. It's been fun to to, to look at. We're doing First Corinthians this mm-hmm. the series, which is also fun because it's such a messy uh, group of people. And uh, the the I, heard, I think I heard a I heard a word uh, disputatious. That was a that was my that was my SAT word. I try to work in <laughs> uh, the most disputatious group of people. I mean, there's more ink spilled on them in the New Testament than any other single church we have, and it's because they're such a mess. And uh, it's telling that that's that's where we also get some of our best theology from, right? Where Paul, in the midst of this messy community, he works out some of his most beautiful, like most poetic and most just uh, awe-inspiring passages on reflections on Christ and his power uh, on who we are as his children. Um, so I think it's it's telling that in some of the biggest crises, is for lack of a better word, that the Corinthians are basically a giant crisis. <laughs> they're, certainly, they're certainly a hot mess. Uh, Paul works out some, some of his most um, robust the- theological reflections. And so figuring out how to integrate sort of theology and faith with real-time, real challenges, divisions, conflicts, whatever, I think that's... Uh, I think it's a it's a great training ground for us to be in for the next few weeks. Yeah, one of the things I was uh, talking about this Sunday, I just as an offhand remark, I mentioned you know this is a community that has a lot of problems, mm-hmm. and some of them are problems that hopefully we're never going to have, right? Hopefully we're never going to be as as uh, messed up or as messy as 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 Paul seems to to indicate that the Corinthians are, um, but in spite of all the mess that they're going through, Paul never doubts. And never questions the need for them to remain a community, uh, the need uh-huh. for them to remain in relationship, um, which in some in, in some ways makes me think, okay, 
So it doesn't matter how messy it feels or how broken it feels. Um, community is not something that we are ever without need of, mm-hmm. um, which is incredibly challenging in our current day and age because um, there are a lot of ways in which in the midst of trouble, in the midst of problems, we actually opt out of all sorts of communities. We remove ourselves from all sorts of communities. I mean, even communities that we um, that we had no choice in buying into. I mean, so, you know, people have conflicts in families and they, they distance themselves from their families. They divorce. Um, I mean, people... Uh, move away like they do all sorts of things to remove themselves and there's certainly reasons to create distance in certain relationships um but but the alternative is never um discard community completely Mm -hmm. that's never the option the Mm -hmm. option the alternative is become a healthy person yourself to be part of community but also find community that is good because you need community so as i'm thinking even about the people here in, in Chatham County, like you say, the um, 20 acres and no neighbors, um, that might be, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, sure. But then you've got to find a way to have community around you, mm-hmm. uh, people who you are close with. And uh, and I think some of the value of the picture that Paul paints is that he broadens my perspective. Because when I think of relationships, I think of sort of this tight-knit group of people, like my family, like my close group of friends and that's a very small group of people um but when i think of when when i think of the picture paul paints of community it's a it's a bigger group of people and so there's there's definitely room for more mess but i think there's also room to dissipate some of the pressure of mess Uh like you know if if uh if i'm in a one-on-one relationship and we're not getting along um or we're not doing well i mean i need to resolve that conflict but the temptation to leave, I think, comes sooner because if there's a large group of people, then I can be like, all right, this is a hard spot in this one relationship. But here are all these other mm-hmm. ways in which this community is actually good or, or these other people can bring perspective and can help um, mitigate what is going on here. So. Yeah, that's really just I've, I've seen that. Well, I mean, my, my uh, I've had some friends who have got involved in the house church movement, which is a great movement. Uh, but uh, and in a few situations where, I mean, essentially, you know, house church is just a church that meets in someone's home. And it's essentially a small group that does all the functions of a of a church. And uh, But when your whole church is uh, eight or ten people, and if you've got one or two really unhealthy people in there, it, it, I've seen the whole thing disintegrates really quickly. I think, you know, and we've obviously we've had small groups. That's also been a challenge for us as well. But the small group is sort of a part of a larger context. And there's a way where, like I said, sort of it can dissipate some of the tension. There can be, there can be some, uh, some ways to work through some things. So there is something about that larger context. And that's tricky because there's so much about this is temperamental, right? Mm-hmm. Again, going back to the person on 20 acres, nothing, nothing innately wrong about that, right? Or, 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 or right or wrong about that. There's a, but there's a way to inhabit 20 acres that is, intentionally sort of siloed and cut off and you build, you know, build the, build the fence as tall as you can and signs, you know, neighbors stay away. Uh, and then there's, uh, then there's really healthy ways to inhabit, uh, again, small groups, larger groups, whatever. And so, um, I think part of what's tricky about talking about community is there's so, there, there are so many different wrinkles and nuances to it, whether it's, again, you mentioned sort of some people need to step away from their family mess or, you know, have some space or healthy boundaries and other folks need to sort of step into that situation, mm-hmm. right? And so, so much of it is contextual. At the same time, there's some really good principles, right, uh, of, and, and, and one of those fundamental principles really is what you talked about earlier, this idea that we are hardwired for community because 
God was in community before the beginning of time, right? And we're made in his image. And this idea that, that this, there's this core principle around community that this is, that uh, the only thing that wasn't good in the very beginning of the creation story was that there was one human by themselves, right? Oh, like loneliness was not good. Like that's the only thing that's not good in, in, in paradise, right? Like Adam's got everything around him and this is the thing that's not good is loneliness, right? And so there's a way where um, people cut off from other people God says that's not good, at least not for an extended period, not, not as a permanent state, not as a long-term state, right? There's certainly good seasons for that, for all of us to, to withdraw and pull away. Um, but working things out in community, that's uh, that's pretty mission critical. And as messy as it is, it's sort of no getting around it. To be human means to be in relationships if you're going to be a healthy human being. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a good word for our current society. I mean, I, the the culture here in, in, in the U.S., you know, if, if there if there isn't one culture, but an overriding theme is, is the value and privilege of the individual. Mm-hmm. And there are places where the pendulum is in the completely opposite direction and the, the individual is swallowed up as not valued. So this is not me saying that there's no value for the individual. Um, but uh, but to, to value the individual above everything else is to miss something essential about humanity, which is the need for community and the value of community and the value of relationships. And part of the challenging word in 1 Corinthians is that implicit in, in what is needed to be rooted together is that sometimes the individual needs to um, sort of take put their needs, their own personal needs, in a second tier or in a third tier. And that's a challenging word. Oh, yeah. That's a challenging word. Well, I think, you know, one of the challenges in all this, too, is that sort of the fact that not, not only are people messy, but are, people are messy. It's, it takes time, mm-hmm. right? And, 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 and it's, it's at some point, if you're going to have a relationship or friendship, it's going to acquire some time, intentionality, inconvenience, those sort of things. And, you know, I think you see, uh, I think you see with the, the fragmentation and, and ver- a variety of ways, uh, but particularly maybe even with like the, the rise of sort of social media, which is essentially sort of relationships on my terms at a very safe distance, yeah. right? And so, so uh, what, is it, what does it take to actually build a real friendship? I was listening to a, a podcast recently of a church who was just really encouraging people to build relationships with neighbors. And they, and they, and they, and they, and they said one of the earliest findings is this big push to build relationships with neighbors. They realized no one knew how to invite anyone over to their house anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, they, like they had to, they coached people on how to have, a barbecue at their house, and the, the church basically started just showing up people's houses and and having the having the whole barbecue ready to go, so that they because they just didn't know how to host people in their houses anymore, right? And that's like a there's a there's a there's a uh, an art form or a lost art in terms of connecting socially relationally that I think is a significant. I think there's a significant shift in our culture, and there's good and bad about it. anytime culture shifts, right? It's not all always bad, but I think that the the way it's shaping and um. There's some ways it's misshaping, I think, our relational capacity, our relational patterns. And I think a lot is built around our preferences, right? No one watches TV when the TV show is on anymore. You just watch it whenever whenever you record it, watch it later, right? Or you, you catch up on demand. So on demand, kind of on the fly when it's convenient for me kind of life, is not, uh, doesn't, is not conducive. Uh, relationships don't run on, on demand kind of a way, right? That's true. That, that are convenient for me on my timetable. Relationships demand something of me. I can't have it on demand. The relationships demand of me. And I think... Uh, to have a, as our culture continues to move more and more toward catering to the individual preference, um, I think w- what that builds in us is less and less patience for the time and inconvenience that relationships, frankly, demand of us. And I think I think we'll continue to see that shift, that swing, until or unless people just realize it's not good for me to be alone, right? Or that, and that social media is not enough, and that sort of relationship when it's convenient for me on my time and, and my context at a safe distance actually doesn't fill that need in a healthy, constructive way. 
the same way that if I was inconvenienced enough to to be on someone else's schedule or was want to make this a priority, right? Uh, that's well, that's a that's a pretty different way of approaching relationships. I think it's pretty countercultural and counter every what, what the message is for everything else, right? In our culture, mm-hmm. um, not to be too like dour or uh, or kind of like oh the good old days when people you know whatever. Because but I do think there's a shift that's happening that's significant for how we uh, how we relate to each other. It's being shaped by other things as well. Yeah, yeah. I'm totally a, an on-demand kind of person when it comes to entertainment. Um, and yet, uh, recently, I've started to uh, watch a number of series with a group of people that we gather mm-hmm. uh, one day a week and watch them. And uh, and I was I was away last week, and so I needed to catch up. So I watched the episode on my own, and uh, and I felt I felt the difference. I mean, on, on the one hand, it was super convenient. Uh, you know, meeting the same time every week. We have dinner. We have conversations. This is a significant investment. Of my <laughs> yeah, time. it's a long investment of time. Um, uh, and so there, there was an, it was an air of convenience in being able mm-hmm. to, you know, in a moment where I had a break and I could just eat a meal on my own and just enjoy it in a very um, con- constrained amount of time. Right. Because uh, time is sometimes uh, at a premium for me mm-hmm. that I appreciated. But when the episode was done, like I felt the. The, I felt how much I missed the conversation. I missed mm-hmm. the laughter with the with the folks. I missed the post episode uh, lingering, the dessert, the longer conversation that we have afterwards. Uh, I, essentially, what I was missing was the community dynamic mm-hmm. that I had enjoyed in in appreciating this this form of entertainment. Yeah, that's really interesting. Well, it's interesting the exchange of convenience for community, right? Yeah. Like you can have either you can have one or the other, but you can't have both all the time. You can have you know you can have one or the other in bits and pieces, but essentially uh to, to I I think our I think in our culture the value on convenience just continues to escalate, right? That's as a as a essentially kind of the yeah. almost, And the convenience of the individual. Yes, right, right, right. Exactly. That's right. That's right. That's right. And so uh, I th- and I don't I don't think anyone is cognizant is consciously saying I'm going to choose convenience over community. I just think that we continually prefer convenience, and what we don't and, and I think we're unaware of the collateral damage to community yeah. until we until crisis hits or we need something yeah. or 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 the loneliness sets in and you kind of feel like oh gosh I'm I'm, I'm disoriented and I'm not even sure that we uh, you know, have language to always name what we're missing at that point or or realize how we got there, except that we made a couple hundred maybe a couple thousand small decisions for convenience over community that then leave us in a place where God said it wasn't good for us to be, which is alone, even if we're surrounded by people right? mm-hmm. or have hundreds of Facebook friends or social social media followers or, or those kind of things. So that's, an, that's interesting. That experience is really interesting. It's very intriguing. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we, we that's one example of, of a way in which community has been good in my life recently. What are, what are, what are examples in your life of, of healthy community? Yeah, I mean, I think... It's looked different ways in different seasons in my life, for sure. Um, I think I've had some. I mean, one thing is I've had, I've been in small groups almost continuously for maybe summer breaks for twenty twenty five years, twenty five years plus. So I think even as that, even as that has that the small groups have almost always churn, churn, had some churn in them year to year. But to say for twenty five years I've had people with me praying alongside every major decision I've made or ups and downs. I've had a place to process, share, almost all those. I mean, I can't think of one that wasn't somewhat safe enough to at least share at least the the basics of a challenging situation or, or hardship. Um, miscarriage, 
um, difficult family situations, uh, job changes, challenges, ups and downs with kids, those sort of things. It's been really, um, I think that's been a blessing to me. The aggregate, right? The sum total of that has been, it's, uh, has been a blessing, right? So that's been, that, I would say that's been a place where community has been really, really rich. Even, even though there's been, uh, high churn rates, not one specific group of people or even person. And then, um, and then I do think that there's been some places where I've had to, I think there's been some places where I've had to, as, as throughout my adult life, re-engage on a deliberate level with relationships and community, um, whether that was uh, a bi-weekly phone call with an old friend where we kind of connected and decided, hey, we're going to kind of, we were, we were both in kind of like uh, slightly isolated places or things had shifted in our relationships and we were, we were kind of talking about it. I'm like, hey, what if we just just did a phone call every other week and prayed for each other and kind of just downloaded and it was long distance, but it was a, it was a commitment. It was like an appointment, you know, on the calendar and it was just a really deliberate time. Although other relationships have been more organic or kind of developed, evolved kind of uh, more naturally, qu- required a little bit less intentionality, but I think given everyone's schedules, it, it really does require at least some level of intentionality to make that happen, right? Whether it's a, a, a TV show you're watching with a group of people or, um, or uh, breakfast with somebody or coffee. I, I, try, I have a, I have a couple of folks, Locally, that I try to, you know, just try to make sure I'm touching base with uh, every so often. I was, um, I feel like this fall has been really busy as we've added two new kids to our family, and it's been, uh, it's been gone from three to five kids, and it's been uh, hectic. And uh, I was getting together with uh, another pastor in the area, and he was great. He was like, you know, what do you need? You want to, you know, I was just sort of downloading and just sort of the fullness of everything. And he was asking me what I need in the season, and I was like, you know, I think. Uh, he was he was talking about sort of like a hey would you like to do a, a day of retreat together or whatever I'm like you know, retreat days are fun are fine I think what I need right now are friends and fun like that's actually what I need and so it was like it was helpful for me to articulate that and for us to sort of just talk in an honest way about what that looks like in our you know in our stage he's got a he's got kids a little bit older than mine but it was uh, it was really helpful so I think having uh, having different uh, experiences of community different contexts small groups one on one some people who are uh, more, more peers. Some people who are more mentors. Um, th- th- I think that I, what, I, what I find is that God is continually kind of uh, surprising me with wonderful different packages that community come in. And in some ways, I have to kind of remain open-handed and not be so busy or or so head down that I miss the opportunities that kind of come my way. Because almost every opportunity requires some intentionality to mm-hmm. sort of step into and follow up. So those have been some of my uh, my experiences. If I was going to do a kind of flyover, then how about you? What are some experiences of community for you? Yeah. Um... So there was a, a, I mean, classic one is, you know, in college, the group I was part of, the the campus ministry I was part of, you know, a number of us lived together. Mm-hmm. And um, like we, we didn't just live together. I mean, we lived mm-hmm. together. You know, there's this phrase people use, which is a little bit trite. We do life together. But, but there's a way in which the fact that we decided to all inhabit this one apartment meant that we ended up doing a lot of things together, you know, grocery shopping together, or we would visit each other's houses because one person had a car and, you know, we just needed to ride together somewhere and we'd happen to stop at someone's house. And so, you know, you, you know, I, there was one particular friend that uh, I remember just sitting at his mother's table and eating her cooking, you know, on an ongoing basis because it was just one of the stops along the way. Uh, and, uh, you know, you get to celebrate birthdays and, and do stuff like that with people, which was, and you get to see how different families function and, uh, and different people think about life and, uh, and interact with each other. And that was, that was really good for me. 
Um, the church we first joined when we moved to New York um, was a church where we intentionally associated with people who were older than us, mm-hmm. uh, partly because we were relatively young in our marriage. And uh, we wanted to spend time around not just married people, but just people who had lived a little bit longer than us and uh, and could share their experience and, um, you know, could could sort of paint a picture of what life might look like 20 years down the line, 30 years down the line. And uh, that was good for us. It meant also as new people in a place that we had people to be with and places to go. Um, We were also part of some peer groups. And actually there was one of those that made sure that in our first Christmas in in a new place, we had some place to be. They actually invited us to drive up to Maine with them to spend time with their families. And uh, that that was good because we were feeling lonely. And it's not good to be alone, as we've said a few times in this conversation already. And that was incredibly positive for us. Most, re- I mean, not, not that recently, a few years ago. Um, a mentor gathered a group of folks that he knew and essentially created community for us or gave us the opportunity huh. to choose into a community together. And um, what I appreciated about that is that uh, that group was intentionally good about crises, but also about celebration, um, which was crucial for me because I'm I'm pretty good in a crisis and I'm pretty good at, at accepting help in a crisis. I'm not always good at asking for it, but I'm pretty good at accepting it. But celebration was a real deficit for me. Uh, I always felt like um, like milestones were, were more like um, like checkpoints more than anything else you know there's more to go why should we stop and celebrate you know there's so there's so much more left to do and uh, this was a community that was really adamant with me about not only making a big deal about things but about teaching me how to make a big deal about things and that that changed my life in in good ways um and not only reinforced the importance of celebration for me it gave me eyes to see uh how much other people needed that too and uh, uh, you know, I remember when I first started being a manager of people in uh, in my previous job. Um, after about a year, the team I was leading, or a year and a half, started being known as the fun team. Hmm. And that would not have been true of any team I led had it not been for the community I had yeah, previously. Because I came into that team with this idea of celebration is important. And we need to make sure we do it. And uh, that changed, that created a, a good culture for us. So um, that's been good. And, and here in Chatham County, um, community has been good for us in really practical ways. Like we got a garden ready and we, we had people who lent us tools. We had people who were willing to check in on our house when we were gone and bring us meals when we were going through a hard time. And... Um, and that's because we opened ourselves up in the midst of transition, in the midst of lots of things, to just being around people and inviting people to be around us. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes in structured ways, like small groups, but sometimes in unstructured ways too. You know, like uh, hey, just, just come hang over, come come over and hang out. Let's play a game. Let's talk. And uh, that's been really good. I had a conversation actually on Monday with a friend, and uh, in the span of an hour, like we talked fun goofy stuff we talked some hard work things and then we had a a spot where we were just we got to talk about okay what is god doing in our lives Mm -hmm. 
And those are all key needs for me and key needs for my friend. And uh, because of community, because of relationship, we get to have those sort of positive interactions that that refresh mm-hmm. us, refresh me at least. When you, you mentioned earlier about sort of having good experiences and hard experiences, when you think about sort of, well, you've been experiences when community has gone south, relationships have gone south. What do you think are the elements either that you brought to the table or that other people brought to the table that sort of have made it a negative experience rather than a positive experience? Yeah. Uh, un, unaddressed conflict mm-hmm. and poorly handled conflict uh, is usually um, has usually been a main cause of why communities have gone south. Uh, and part of that, and I think I, I say that because in the past, that's been one of my main contributions is uh, I, I had, a, had a bit of a domineering personality and so I didn't always know how to love people well when we disagreed. Mm. Uh, I saw it very much as an adversarial situation. And so I would either win or I, or they, or, or I would lose, but I didn't always lose well. And so that usually led to the breakdown of, uh, of community and of conflict. Um, but there were other things as well. I mean, I think um, some people... Like if they did under if underhanded things were happening, if yeah. people were um, were allowing or fomenting um, bad character or um, bad habits to be to go un, unchecked, uncontested, then that usually disintegrated community. It led to mistrust. It led to um, just people drifting away. People don't want to be around that stuff ultimately. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least good people, the people who want to be around, want to be around <laughs> right. that stuff, and so they they uh, they leave. Um, you know, I mean, that very group of people I lived with, we lived together for a few years, and you know, I think eventually we we um, there was a year where we didn't live together, and I think it was because there was some conflict that we didn't address. Hmm. You know, there there was the the regular living dynamics that right. happen that we overlooked, that we refused to engage, that we just um, didn't enter into the conflict and, uh, it created distance. And, um, you know, years later, it's no longer an issue, but I think there's stuff we missed out on because Mm -hmm. we chose to not engage. We chose to ignore, not overlook. We chose to ignore. Uh And, uh, what's the difference? Well, so overlooking is, um, saying, okay, I see that this is an issue and, uh, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be okay. I'm going to be okay with this. Uh, so I don't mean like an offense, like necessarily, but let, let's say, let's since let's be concrete, uh, let's say a point of contention is who washes the dishes. Certainly. Um, and I could choose to overlook and say, you know what, I can tell that uh, that my friend is has a rough week with finals this week, and uh, the week is more relaxed for me. Even though it's his turn to, to wash the dishes, I'm going to do it. And, and I'm going to be okay with it. Like, I'm not doing it just to hold it over him. I'm, mm. I'm going to do it because I think it's going to serve him. And I think it'll be good. That's overlooking. Um, uh, overlooking an offense. I think ignoring would be to say, I'm going to leave them there and see when he finally deigns uh. to wash them. Um, or I'm going to wash them, but I'm going to remember it later down the line. And, uh, you know, I'm going to... Uh, it's just going to be a point against him in my mind. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think that's really good. I, mean, I think the uh, the ways that we play games or the ways we set people up to are testing people, right? I mean, I, 
I think I think I think when we've come to that point, we've maybe already uh, are several steps too far, right? To, you're not you're not actually addressing the uh, the challenge. I think this is, I think that's a, that's a really help, that's a really great helpful concrete example because I do think I I see people sort of massaging around situations, right, in in a variety of ways. Sometimes to test and see if the person's going to respond with a noble character or do the right thing and. Uh, and sometimes just out of spite and frustration or, you know, or, or, uh, and very often out because they're unwilling to have the conversation in a direct way, mm-hmm. in a way that maybe would be more, uh, more constructive. And it's tricky because I think conflict is, uh, and very, uh, appropriate approaches to conflict is in some ways very culturally determined, dictated, yeah, right? Absolutely. So indirect cultures versus direct cultures and direct communication, indirect communication, uh, and at the same time, in our culture, what I see, uh, I, I was reading something the, uh, that it seems like we're, uh, they, they were talking about essentially what most people do is sort of either silence or violence, that, right? That idea, I think that's a crucial conversation sort of category. It's a good, it's a really helpful book. Uh, silence or violence, right? So we don't do anything, you know, we, we ignore, pretend not to see or set something up and then explode because we just haven't just been sort of managed around. So that's, uh, that's, really, that's, uh, that's a really interesting, um, interesting, good example of how, community can go, can go bad and, how, and the, how the small things can sow seeds of sort of unraveling community around the edges right? yeah well and in conflict pe- people sometimes are the word conflict shocks them because we assume conflict is charged but conflict in its origins it's just a disagreement about goals about objectives about desires anything where you and i don't align we're not lined up uh not every conflict is charged every unaddressed conflict can become charged Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and there are some conflicts that are charged immediately mm-hmm. uh, you know violence like um, if you steal money from me we have a conflict because <laughs> uh, we have a disagreement of how much of my money you're entitled to yeah. <laughs> that's a charged that's, one that's charged immediately from, yes. but washing the dishes doesn't start off as a charged one mm-hmm. washing the dishes becomes a charged one mm-hmm. uh, if it's unaddressed mm-hmm. and unaddressed doesn't mean we talk about it unaddressed means i if i'm the one who's realized there's a conflict i have decided what i am going to do about it mm-hmm. either i'm going to overlook it or i'm going to talk and figure out okay how do we how do we work through this um but if i leave it unaddressed if i just ignore it it's going to become charged for me yeah that's really good well what um why don't you why don't you drill down what's in a because uh, I feel like you've done a lot of, you talk a lot about, share a lot about sort of your emotionally healthy, sort of the curriculum that you that, that you studied and gone through. What would you say is an emotionally healthy way to engage with frustrate as, as you start to feel like the I'm frustrated about this thing and starting to accrue. It's you know I'm having you know when you start to feel that chargedness a little bit, you feel or maybe you feel the the conflict or the dissonance between goals or whatever before the other person does right, and that, yeah. that's where we're always we're always most keenly aware of when we're on the right and how wrong someone else is. Yeah. Uh, uh, what what is what are the healthy things? What are the healthy options before us when we're, when we're starting to realize there's difference here that's not being addressed? And I I I need the one thing I I to figure out what to do with this feeling of di- the distance I'm feeling. What are the healthy options? Yeah, actually, uh, so there are a few resources that I've used, and uh, so some of what I might say might be a mishmash. So sure. I'm going to cite some of the resources. So I use resources from peacemaker ministries. Mm-hmm. Uh, use resources from emotionally healthy spirituality and emotionally healthy leader. Uh, two of them that I can remember are called the Ladder of Integrity and um, Community Temperature Reading. Uh, so if anyone from EHS is listening to this later down the line, I apologize if I have butchered some of the terms. 
this is how I have interpreted and retained them. Um, so some the first step is uh, identifying why you're bothered, why I'm bothered. Mm. Um, and then even being able to name the emotion that I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. So before I talk to anyone, I want to be as self-aware as possible. Uh, I think using I statements when I talk to someone is important. Be- and being at a point where I'm ready to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are folks who, who don't think that rehearsing a conversation is useful. I think rehearsing conversations ad nauseum, re- rehearsing arguments. Yes. Is not good. Where you're always winning, right? I'm always yeah. winning the arguments in my head. Yeah. That rehearsing, yes. And so. the other person's always an idiot. Yes. <laughs> it's amazing how yeah. good I am in those situations. Um, yes. But but thinking through and being able to to be at a point where you can express clearly uh-huh. what you're feeling in a non-accusatory way um, and why you're bothered by things in a non-accusatory way, I think is actually healthy. I think being able to be disciplined enough to not have a conversation until... I can do that is um, is actually good. So I'll start with, uh, here's what I'm feeling. This is what triggered it. This was my contribution to it, if there was one. Um, uh, and uh, here's what here's what I'm curious about, what I'm puzzled by, and uh, here's what I need to be able to move forward. Here's what I'm asking for, and uh, then just being able to be open-handed. Um, yeah, so you know, let's be concrete in the dishwashing scenario. Let's let's do that one. Sure. Um, so what I could have said is I could have approached my friend and say, um, I noticed that the dishes have been unwashed for a number of days, and uh, some of those are actually my dishes. Um, it's to the point that my dishes have been used. Uh, I'm feeling uh, neglected in that. I'm feeling like like uh, I don't matter um, because I need those dishes and I can't. I don't have access to them necessarily. Um, I noticed that we have a schedule of who washes dishes and uh, it's your turn. And so I'm puzzled by why you haven't washed them. Um, I'm wondering if there's something going on that's keeping you from washing them. And, uh, and you know, you can even say something like what, what I'm afraid of or what I'm concerned about is that you might simply be ignoring your responsibility. And that that makes me feel unsafe. Um, my contribution is that I've I, I noticed this early in the week and I didn't bring it up earlier, and I've allowed myself to become a little bit suspicious. Mm-hmm. And what I need is to know if there's something going on and how I can help. So that might be an imperfect way to apply. Uh, one of those models and that takes work mm-hmm. and that takes time yeah it's a lot easier to be grumpy uh, oh yeah it's a lot easier to wash the dishes myself mm-hmm. um and over and even pretend i'm overlooking right right i might not necessarily be overlooking mm-hmm. um uh, but but ultimately the outcome of that has a potential for healing for growth it actually has the potential to let me know if something is going on with my friend it has the potential to let them know that something that they're doing is damaging the relationship. They might not even know. They, right, they right. might just assume, oh, everyone here knows that's finals weeks. Maybe, maybe, maybe he said to the rest of the roommates that he was going to wash them at the end of the week and it didn't just, it just didn't get to me. Mm-hmm. Like there are all these unknowns out there, right. all these assumptions. 
Um, and that provides the opportunity for that to come up. Mm-hmm. Do you think the assumptions, is that where it goes wrong the most often? Do you think like sort of assuming the worst of other people? Or, or what do you think the, what, like, given that conflict goes, is poorly handled so much of the time, what do you think the, uh, what do you think the, the places of derailment are? Yeah, I think assumptions are part of it. Uh, I see, I think the other one is we are in a, we are in a combative moment in time, uh, a, a litigious mm. uh, moment in time, and uh, the priority in conflict has become winning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no one likes to lose, right. and which is really challenging because, and and I've been guilty of this. Because what happens is that when we have conflict, we tend to uh, unconsciously or consciously put the other person in a in an adversarial seat, mm-hmm. which is the same thing or very similar to thinking of them as the enemy. Mm-hmm. Yep, they are the opposing side, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, someone needs to win and someone needs to lose, and uh, that leads to us at sometimes doing whatever it takes to win. Um, but it also leads us to be willing to tear people down uh, for the sake of that or to assume that they they are trying to do the same thing to us that we're thinking of doing to mm-hmm. them, which isn't always true mm-hmm. and isn't always helpful. Um, and, and, and yet, right, even if we were to see people as enemies, because there are people that are adversaries, there are people that we might go so far to see or say that they are enemies. Um, that certainly shouldn't be the case in community, but... But in general, uh, then the invitation from Jesus in those scenarios is to love and to serve. Um, but in conflict, we don't, we're not always thinking of, how do I love this person? How do I serve this person? Mm-hmm. We're thinking, how do I extract what is needed for me to be whole? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, it seems to me that uh, the interpretation of Jesus' commands to love and serve it they're either completely ignored in conflict with someone they're frustrated with or what we think we interpret that as i just need to avoid conflict not have conflict right so how do you marry conflict and loving and serving in the same breath i think most people don't have a picture of what that looks like how does that look like in, in for you and as you're as, as you kind of are growing and loving and serving even in the midst of conflict what does that what does that mean to blend those things together to still have conflict but to have it when it's from a loving serving posture than just a win no matter what posture how does that how does how does that flavor conflict differently right basically talking about how does the gospel intersect conflict mm-hmm. right and our natural proclivities in conflict which are to sort of a set up this sort of adversarial relationship yeah I think so playing off the adversarial motif I think I need to be willing to lose huh I think I need to go into a conflict, convinced that I'm right, even if I'm convinced that I'm right, being willing to be wrong, uh-huh. to find out that I'm wrong. Uh-huh. Uh, if I if I can't enter into a conflict with that level of humility, I don't think that the gospel is intersected. Mm. Um, I think I need to be willing to want to bless the person. Mm-hmm. Uh, who was I reading? Oh, I was reading a book by John Ortberg uh, in the last few days. And uh, Soul Keeping, I think, is the book. And one of the things he talks about is when he feels upset or angry at someone, he, he, the, he talks to his soul. He says, soul, why are you angry? And, uh, and, and then what, what he realizes happens is that uh, he starts to bless the person. Hmm. Um, this, that desire for the good of the person yeah. 
is is I think a good a good way to check has the gospel intersected, mm-hmm. um, because ultimately, the the true goal of conflict resolution should not be uh, proving who's right, mm-hmm. is pursuing what's good. Mm-hmm. The ultimate goal should be pursuing what is good. Nice. Yeah, what good. is true, what mm-hmm. is noble, what is loving. And that might be where I started. That might be where the other person started. That might not be either. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, if we're not willing to go towards what's good, then the gospel has not intersected. That's a very different goal for conflict, isn't it? Than winning. Mm-hmm. To get to what's good versus just win. Mm-hmm. It's a very, very different goal. Yeah. For, from your seat, you know, I've talked a lot about conflict. What, uh, what, what other things make community challenging? Um, I, th- I think, uh, so many, I mean, gosh, the variety of experiences we've had in it, the, the ways we come at it, the different pictures or models we have of it, um, the different, even the different value, the valuation of it in, uh, in the sense that if you've got, even in a, in a small group environment, for example, we've got 10, 12 people and different people are going to prioritize this small group in different ways, right? And, mm-hmm. and make it a priority or not make it a priority. And some people feel more like an optional add-on. Some people it's like, no, this is a commitment to these group of people and I feel it in my soul, you know? And uh, um, and I do think that there's uh, the, the challenges there of expectations. And I think when I think when, when people are misaligned in what they think that they're committing to, that can be true. I think what ends up happening is people either feel demanded or put upon in, in a way they didn't realize they were kind of being put upon, mm-hmm. or they feel like uh, the the person who there's always a person the person who feels most invested feels the most uh, the most vulnerable, yeah. right? Right. It's like it's like you're in a dating relationship when you're you know before you're married and so like you're you're more into them than they are into you. That's a that's a vulnerable place to be, right? Yeah. And so I think that I think people. Uh, people who who come in to a community environment, a church or a neighborhood or whatever, and they have a sense of you know I really want to establish a community, and they have a felt need for that, and that could be obviously could go to an extreme that's not healthy to codependence, right, at, at, at a high extreme. Um, but there's a, there's a healthy range of like yeah, I'm looking for community. I really am longing for that, at, you know, at a, at a level. Um, and I think for many of us uh, who don't have that felt need, uh, so much of it we're you know we're we're busy. We got lots going on, um, and I think that that could be a place where there's if there's difference. There can feel people can feel uh, hurt, uh, even unintentionally. But no one, no one's got bad intentions, right? It's just the difference of expectation and a, a lack of kind of being on the same page with that. So I think those are places where uh, community can start to fray um, around expectations and uh, differences. And yeah, I think there's just that that uh, that there's also this innate thing of um, you know you meet you're, you're in a room full of people and you're going to connect with really naturally with a few of them right that's true for everybody even i'm an extrovert and i like i i think of myself as like a what's that what's that universal donor O negative is that who it is or O positive i forget which one it was we did it, we, did, we did a sermon on it i forget <laughs> we, we titled that um i like i think i connect easily with a lot well, a wide number of people but i but i uh but still there's a all of us have a proclivity to connect with with folks uh who um who are like us but different from us and then also the need to sort of be stretched beyond that and that's a, that's a, that's part of the challenge of community as well is there's people that i don't naturally connect with who are nevertheless beneficial for mm-hmm. me or or, or or whom or conversely whom i am called to serve right yeah um alex you mentioned vulnerability uh, earlier and i think that's that's a that's a really important element of community but it's also one of the things that can can send a community one way or another oh, right yeah. different levels of vulnerability so um 
can you like why is vulnerability necessary for community to happen and uh, so and what would you tell people to encourage vulnerability uh, encourage to actually be vulnerable because vulnerability is scary uh-huh. and how would you talk to people who have been vulnerable and feel like other people are not meeting them to sort of stay engaged yeah, like that's, that's that's great okay maybe bat this around back and forth a little bit because yeah. i think those are, those are tricky one i think i mean i think the the only way again we talked about sort of uh uh uncertain potential of any relationship the only way you mine that potential is through trust building which is innately vulnerable right so um the only thing that's been true of all of every person for all of humanity for all of our conscious awareness is uh we let each other down. I mean, that's the only thing consistent among, among us, right? I mean, the only, the only thing guaranteed in any relationship is at some point this person will let you down, right? No person is going to be perfectly responding to every need all the time in ways that you would like for them to, right? And so, and even if someone did, uh, you know, what if one of you gets sick, right? To, 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 to have affection for someone or friendship with someone, you build this interdependent thing where if one person is affected, Obviously, it's bad for them, but it's also hard on you. You mm-hmm. carry you, start, you you carry additional burden you wouldn't have carried if you didn't have that friendship with them. If they get sick, you know, in a serious way. So there's a, there, there is just no way around. If if it's not good for us to be alone, then then uh, the the only way to to alleviate that that loneliness is through vulnerability at some level. And and I think. I think there's a number of things about that. One is some people recoil at the word, right? They, mm-hmm. they, they, they particularly family cultures, certain family cultures, the, to not need anyone was like a super high value, right? To not need anyone, um, to not need help, not ask for help, that was a super high value. That sort of rugged, individualistic kind of approach. And there's like, and there is some significant value in being a self, self-sufficient, self-starter to some degree. And then at some point that just... Uh, it's a it's a virtue that becomes a vice. I think that was a classic Greek kind of phrase of uh, yeah. At some point, at some point, every virtue becomes a vice in a broken world if we sort of t- take it to an extreme. And uh, and I think that there's a, a way that's so that that rugged individualistic. I don't need anyone. It's it's actually it's actually a lie. Um, and that, and you start, you can't live in that life for but for so long before it starts to sort of uh, undermine uh, you, like your soul, your your character uh, in a certain way. So I do think. That call to vulnerability is innate in any relationship. It's not good for us to be alone. That requires building relationships of trust. Even kids. I mean, you know, I mean, like have to have kids or or, or get married. You're right. I mean, these are places that that, are, that that automatically put you in vulnerable places where yeah. you're known and exposed and all that kind of thing, right? Which is part of the part of why people are scared of marriage. I mean, it, it makes sense. You should be scared of marriage. <laughs> it's exposing, right? And and you're and you're kind of knitting your life to someone who is gonna let you down. And those are those are real things. I do think. I do think that, like, the the issue of what do you do if you've been vulnerable and 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 it's uh, it's hurt and it's been challenging, it hasn't been reciprocated, or you felt kind of left out on the kind of gone out on limb and not no one's met you there and those sort of spaces. Um, I do think some of it is, and I think uh, if you haven't listened to the last last podcast with Cooley, she talked about this. I thought it was really wise. The, just the idea that you're um, there's there is wisdom and discernment in sort of finding sort of people who are reliable people, and I think. You know, I, I think reliable and uh, trustworthy. I think those, in some ways, are better words than safe because mm-hmm. because there's something about um, there's something about reliable, trustworthy people that also push us sometimes yeah, when we absolutely. need it. And so, um, so, so I would say they're safe in a certain sense, but I wouldn't say that's the that's the only or even primary even name I would give the people that I think are the best people to have in our lives. The best people in our lives uh, see uh, have uh, see the best in us and have some idea of what the best in us could be, and 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 long for that to be called forth. Right? It, 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 put it in biblical language. They 
they long for the Holy Spirit, Spirit best version of you to be mm-hmm. on on display as much as possible. And so there is there is a sense where um, the people that, I, that that most have loved me and that I've most loved, I've looked and seen something in their lives and been like, this is this is not the Holy Spirit best version of you. I haven't said that in those words necessarily, but I've sort of. Uh, been able to have conversations where we've been able to talk in those and in, in, in those categories at least right and to sort of say hey this there's people who are trustworthy and i do think it's not everybody right because we're in a kind of a broken fallen world um and so so for those who, who have been vulnerable and been hurt and kind of feel that sort of i've been burned here before um i think i think there's a difference between fear and uh self-protection and wisdom right uh-huh. so so fear and sort of and, and, and essentially anyone who's cynical is, is, is in the spot where it, cynicism is a sort of a, a fear-based sort of approach to life where i'm going to be cynical about everything because i don't want to i don't want to be vulnerable at all right so cynicism is so sort of the the uh the, the sort of jaded response to to vulnerability and the fear of vulnerability and the cost of it and the, and the possible harm that could come of us when we to us for vulnerable, and so I do think I do think that there's a be- there's better option between being wide open with everyone without any kind of discernment, um, or overcorrecting to like a, a jaded, cynical, shut down, totally removed perspective to say, okay, um, I'm I'm going to move forward uh, with praying for wisdom in my relationships and sort of find people who are safe, good, uh, trustworthy people that I can that I can share with and be honest with and kind of move to the spaces to to sort of essentially mine the potential that's laid up loaded up in any relationship but that requires vulnerability to fully explore right that's essentially what you're trying to do in a marriage and uh and any good friendship or relationship so those are those are some things i think um to people who've been in that space i don't know what uh, how you've counseled folks who've been felt burned through uh through friendships that have gone south or felt vulnerable and felt like it's been used against them in some way shape or form how's that played out or how you coach people on the other side of those type of situations. Yeah. I, uh, my, my advice has always been to try again, uh-huh. but, but to exercise that type of wisdom and discernment. And I've, I've also given them permission to be slightly less vulnerable. Yeah. Um, like if the choice is, be- if they feel the choice is between going all out or, you know, to whatever point they had been or not doing it at all, then I'd rather give them the permission to say, you know, it's okay to pull back a little bit, That's right. test the waters, mm-hmm. and see if people meet you before you give more. You know, part of that is, it's the it's the the principle of recovery. Yeah. When you're injured, if you need to recover, you don't, you know, even if you're doing PT, you don't try to do what you did before the injury right away. Right. You try to build mm-hmm. towards that. Mm-hmm. But you've got to try something. That's right. That's right. Yeah, you've yeah. Got to try something. Yeah. So that's usually my encouragement with people, and and if I know them well enough, I try to point them towards people who I think would be helpful toward mm-hmm. with them in that. Um, yeah. That's great. Yeah. Well, those are some great thoughts about community. Um, we could talk for another hour. We could keep nerding out yeah. as fast. It's not that hard for us to do. Yeah. But yeah. So so friends, we've got another episode coming on uh, community. And uh, we're grateful that you're listening. If you like it, share, uh, let us know, and uh, be on the lookout for another episode on this coming soon. All right. Thanks a lot.